0: This is a West Wimmera Health Service podcast, presented by me, Brigitte Muir.
1: Wants a healthy life.
0: This series focuses around stories and issues related to health and well-being. Some of the people we hear from are sharing their stories, hoping that their experiences will help us with our own health and well-being. Please be aware that some of their life experiences may touch on issues that are sensitive to some. Please listen with care. You will find information on seeking help if you need it in the notes attached to each episode. Jane Brunswick lived an outwardly happy life. She grew up in the Sunrasia, got married, raised a healthy family
1: and had a good job but nothing was as it seemed. My first husband was a gambler. He liked to bet on the horses, but I had no idea that he liked it as much as he did. And it went on to become a problem. In the early years of our marriage, once it was established as a problem, it became a secret and all his gambling went underground. But there must have been a cost financially and he managed to hide that as well, did he? Yes, definitely. things like, Bank clients that you didn't know, a phone calls with people that you didn't know. I guess living up that way too, there was a lot of cash around and being in a grape growing area. So it was easy to hide it as well, but it was never hidden forever. When did you first become aware of the problem? Well, in our early days when we had a trouble with banks, that was probably the main scare. Um, but there was also little things like you, you didn't have money or you know, get paid Wednesday and by Friday, He was asking for a loan sort of thing or just didn't have enough money as he should have. So in the early days, that was an alarm bell. You were working as well, weren't you? Yes, I was a school teacher and I was working full-time. And I did, over the years, work full-time for a long time. By the time I retired, I'd clocked up 36 years full-time in the classroom. Were you supporting the family? Yes, definitely. And when we moved to central Victoria, sort of mid-90s, even more so, because... His gambling went off the rails. Uh, there were periods of time where he did, just didn't have an income at all. How did that affect the children? I mean, not just the lack of money, but the atmosphere in
0: the house and everything else.
1: We were walking in eggshells a lot of the time. It, it did affect my kids. Even though today, if you ask them, like back in the day where I was having some professional counselling and I said, this is available for you too. Oh no, we're all right. But it, it did, and they were very open to the mood swings of their father and the big knee-jerk reactions from their mother. They knew when to get out of it themselves. When the going got tough, they could just remove themselves from the situation. Uh-huh. Yeah, they they dealt with a lot. And even today, there's still the elephant in the room. We all dance around it. Really, It's, it's not, not something that's openly spoken about. The shame and the stigma of the gambling problem is huge for the gambler as well as the affected others. It was inside your four walls and it didn't go outside of that unless it really, really had to. You know, in terms of today, there wasn't as much help back then. And my biggest help was when I got involved with the 12-step programs. I went to Al-Anon and initially I went to Gammonon, which is the flip side of Gambler's Anonymous. Those meetings were in Melbourne. And it was very difficult for me to get there. So when I went back to Bendigo, for thought, well, 12-step program, I'll try our little. Initially, I was really worried that they would say, oh, no, you can't come if it's for gambling. But they just said, look, this is a program. If you can get something out of it, you're welcome to stay. And that's 20 years ago and I'm still there. Really? Yeah. He also had an alcohol component as well. Also, yeah, the two seemed to go handed. Yeah, so the twelve-step programs for me have been very beneficial and has allowed a lot of healing for myself. Is that who you turned to first, or did you talk to other people first? Didn't speak to lots of people, but people knew. I live in a small country town; it's a great one, isn't it? And often I was the last to know. How did the gamble happen in those days? The gambling was uh, racehorses, so it was, uh, it was before the online gambling. Thank goodness for me. Both the machines too, but that wasn't the number one resources was. So
0: when people are around you know, it's hard to put up with, isn't
1: it? You were mentioning shame and yeah, yes. Sometimes family and friends are not the right people to deal with it because they're very close to the situation or they're very close to the people that are involved because of the shame and stigma, and you were not wanting to tell the world anyway. You were just hoping. I was always hoping that I would fix it before. The rest of the world needed to know it. So that created problems too. I, I didn't realise probably until I got into the 12-step programs and the professional help that what I thought was helping was actually hindering any recovery on his part because I became the rescuer. Codependent. Yeah, Mrs. Fix-It. Assumed the responsibility for issues that weren't wanted to fix and had a lack like, of boundaries. Just thought I could fix it for both of us and came to realise that I couldn't, that it didn't matter what energy I spent on our relationship, I could not make it work for both of us and I could not stop the gambling. Believe me, I tried. People have said to me, now why did you stay so long? That's hard to answer, but it was never all good and it was never all bad. Life was a roller coaster a lot of the time, but you hung on to the good stuff. This person was very likable. I didn't dislike him. He was the father of my three kids. Basically, he's a very, really good person and you wanted to hang on to that. So it was hard to just let all that go. And at the same time, that was my comfort zone. Whether it be good or whether it be bad, I was here and that was my comfort zone. And stepping outside of that was huge and brought a lot of fear. It was much, much easier to stay than leave.
0: Are you talking about you trying to change the situation? What about your ex-husband?
1: Did he actually try to change as well? Yes, he did. He sought help from Gamblers Anonymous and he had some professional counselling. He went to some AA meetings, but he overly came out and said to me, I'll never stop the drinking. I just would. So he made that pretty clear. Was the drinking a big problem? It got bigger, yes. Well, what comes first? Chicken or the egg? Does the drinking drive the gambling? Or does the gambling drive the drinking? I don't know the answer to that. So that didn't change?
0: How much time after he told you that he wasn't going to stop drinking but would do his best to stop gambling, did you decide that enough was or not?
1: Well, that was in the latter part of our relationship, I guess. We'd had some temporary splits, but we'd always got back together. But it was towards the end when he had said that, and I, I, I was getting stronger because I, I'd been getting some help. I was seeing things through rose-coloured glasses a lot too. I was seeing things the way I wanted them to be, not how they actually were. So when I stripped back, my own denial, and had a look at how things really were. I started to see the big picture. And the big picture was, if nothing changes, nothing changes. You can't repeat the same behavior and expect a different outcome. For instance, when a gambling bust happened, there'd be the gambling and then there'd be the anger and the conflict from me, mainly. Then there'd be the remorse and then there would be the promises and then there would be the fixing up and then it would all happen again was just quite a destructive cycle of behaviour, which was never, ever going to change. I could never change him as I'd tried for many years. And I learned this through the 12 steps. The only person I could change was myself. So I had to start making some, some changes and let him go. And whether he found his own path to recovery or not was his journey, not more. It's a big step, isn't it? It's huge. The day that we finally parted company, I'll never forget it. His bags were packed, he was ready to go, and not much was said. There was certainly no animosity. There was just a a very deep feeling of sadness for both of us. He left, and I thought, well, there goes, 30 years of my life. He left the door closed, and I sat on the couch and cried and cried and cried for the afternoon. That's how it went. For too many years, I ignored my gut feeling, and this time I got it right. My gut feeling said, this is right, even though I was in a world of pain. And then the next 12 months was pretty ordinary. I was living by myself and the kids were sort of young adults by then and they were coming and going. We did hook up at times and it was just sometimes he would come to the house and he'd be his normal nice self or sometimes he'd be really angry and other times he'd be just absolutely distraught. The old jam would just jump back in there to help. But I just had to learn to keep my hands off and and let him work it out for himself. That was really tough. Do you still see him? Well, weddings and funerals, yes, family events, but otherwise I no. And the children, I suppose, still see their father? Yes, yes, they do. I don't really know how much contact they have with him because that's not really my business anymore. They do have a relationship with their dad and I think that's great, but I, I don't go asking questions.
0: What would you tell people partners of people who are gamblers and who find themselves in a situation where they just don't know what to do about it? What would be the first port of call?
1: Get some professional help. There's gambler's helplines that you can call. There's and There's there's a whole host of people now that really do have gambling help within their organisations. That would be my number one because you can't fix it by yourself and you really suffer a fair bit of damage yourself, but you're so hell-bent on being focused on the gambler, you don't actually realise what's happening to you. I I had six months on antidepressants at one stage, and I really fought and bucked the doctor to put me on those. And he was right. I did need them. So to anybody out there who is struggling, you can't do it by yourself. Get some help. Get some help. It doesn't have to be family. It doesn't have to be friends. It gets some professional help. Who is Jen today? Who is Jen today? Well, (laughs) Jen's getting older, but that's okay. Look, I've always enjoyed working, so that's been a good diversion for me as well It's somewhere else to get my head. As a primary school teacher, I've worked a lot of years in the classroom, still working as a replacement teacher, CRT, and still enjoy it very much. I'm now a, I'm an aunt, so I've got some grandkids, which is terrific and lovely. I'm also a person who's giving back to this world of gambling, so I'm a very skinned speaker and I'm part of a group that. There are three other people like myself who are affected others and, and the rest of the group are recovering gamblers, people who haven't gambled for, for some time. And we just get out in the community and do public speaking and share our own personal stories. And I've done quite a bit of that now over a couple of years. A lot were on Zoom, of course, during COVID. More recently, they are face-to-face. Last year, I was in Ballarat and I did a program for the Sons and Daughters of the West, the AFL, and I spoke about the gambling. And at each session, I had someone come up to me and say, oh, I've got a friend who, or I've got a friend who, or it, it's me. So to me, that's really good. In me, for a long time, that the lifestyle you're living is not normal. This is not how other people live. Are you sure this is the way you will live? I only acted when I was ready. Just because someone plants a seed doesn't mean you act on it straight away. But you do act when you're ready. So for me to get out there now and share my story, I just plant the seed and I inform the community on gambling harm and we're trying to raise the awareness and really blow the shame and stigma right out of the water because it's huge. It's it's enough to stop people getting help in the first place. It doesn't matter what your job is, how much money you earn, no one is protected. Often you'll hear people who do go on to have gambling problems say that you know it started in the most insidious way. I had somebody who had never gambled anything and had to put their car into the workshop for a couple of hours. And her friend said, oh, let's just slip over to the club and have a coffee and play the pofies. That's how it started. Wow. Anything else you would like to share with our um, listeners? Just really that it's really out there in our community and our mental health such a big thing these days. And gambling is the, the silent one when it comes to addiction. If you've had too much alcohol or affected by drugs, you'll see that physically. You won't see it in a gambler, but there will be other signs. With the gambling, often goes other mental health conditions. The person with the mental health condition will be wanting to keep that gambling to themselves for as long as possible. That's what they'll disclose last. Some of my experiences and being in the twelve step program and having spoken to some recovering gamblers and listened to their recovery. Stories and it's quite inspiring, it's very powerful. So, yeah, I have a lot of time for people who are, who are willing to share their recovery stories. It's very precious for all of us. Yes. Anything else? No, I don't think so. Um, just to, you know, if my chatting can help anyone, then that makes me happy. And just to finish with the peer connection that I've now just got involved with, I just have some clients who, who ring regularly. They are like me, affected by someone else's gambling, and it's just nice for them to have an ear. I, I don't cancel, I listen, because often these people are likely have kept it in the cupboard forever. And likewise in that program, people who do have a gambling problem, they can be hooked up with um, mm-hmm. these recovering gamblers. who are giving up their time now to share their story in the hope of helping someone else. So
0: it's a win-win. And the world works on volunteering, I think, and people sharing their experiences, which is what this series is all about. So thank you so much, Jane, for sharing your life experience with us and your time as well. Thank you, appreciate Lovely. That was Jen Brunswick, former wife of a gambler, now speaker and mentor with ReSpin, a statewide service funded by the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation. You will find, as always, contact numbers and details in the notes attached to this episode. And while you're at it, please give us a star rating. We'd also love to hear your comments and suggestions. Our Facebook and Twitter details are in the notes. Until next, have a healthy life, won't you?
1: Farmer wants a healthy life.